0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books and in Indian Religions, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Shruti Dixit, the host of the channel, and today we will be speaking with Th- Thomas Hitoshi Brooksma about his book, The Kurul, published by the Beacon Press in 2022. Thomas Hitoshi Brooksma is an author, translator, teacher, and performer. His other books include The Safety of the Edges, Give, Eat, and Love, Poems of Aveyar, and Body and Earth. He speaks and performs widely, teaches for the Cozy Grammar series of online video courses, and has received grants and fellowships from the National Endowment for the Arts for Culture, Artist Trust, and the US Fulbright, Pro- Fulbright Program. Thomas, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I wonder if you if you could begin the interview by telling us a bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Well, I was born in Seattle, Washington, in the state of Washington, the United States. And uh, my connection to to Tamar and to Tamar Nardu began in 1998, when I was given a fellowship to live for two years in the ancient and venerable city of Madurai in Tamar Nardu. Uh, I was tasked with teaching at a college. I was teaching English in a program for students with physical disabilities, but I was also very much encouraged to study tamar as deeply as I desired, and also uh, to explore interests of my own, which in my case was, I was interested in village life, and I wanted to learn enough tamar to be able to live in a village, and I did in fact uh, end up living in a village for the, the last year and a half, what ended up being a two and a half year stay. And from that time till now, I've spent uh, over five years in total living in South India, continuing my study of Tamar uh, in in person, and then, of course, in the interim uh, when I've been back in the States. And uh, the this translation of the Korol, Thirukorol, thiru uh, in many ways, is a, a culmination of these 20, well, now I would say 24 years of study um, that was guided uh, by an extraordinary teacher named Dr. K. V. Ramagodi, uh, who not only instructed me in spoken Tamar and helped me be able to speak, but step-by-step guided me into the written language and into poetry and into the extraordinary depths and riches of Tamar literature which has an unbroken literary history of more than 2,000 years. Uh, It is, in fact, the other classical language of India uh, along with Sanskrit and has um, really just an extraordinary wealth and depth of riches and uh, to have been a, had a chance to translate this uh, really this great masterpiece, one of the most important works in the language, has been a great honor, uh, a great challenge, a great humbling challenge, um, and it is uh, really with great um, with jubilation, if I can put it that way, that I am is here now holding the finished work in my hands.
0: That definitely sounds like an interesting journey. <laughs> I was just wondering, how did the Kurul came into your life?
1: I it came into my life step by step. It my first, uh, well, I, you know, I don't think I could say the exact first time because when I was embarking on my study of Tamar, somewhere along the way, I heard about this work, the Thirukurar, um, and during my first year in Madurai, uh, there was one very specific moment that now that I look back on it was a kind of uh, initiation that didn't even seem to be such. I was only in Madurai maybe two months or so, and one of my students invited me to his home for dinner. And I, I went to his house and was overwhelmed not only by the feast that he, uh, his family had prepared but also by all his relatives and extended family and friends who came in to see this American teacher who somehow could speak a word or two of Tummer. And at the end of this evening, uh, my host surprised me first by saying, oh, well, you could just, you know, just stay the night and go the next morning. And I... I was still too fresh, too new to Tamil Nadu to realize that this was a very ordinary thing. To me, that sounded quite extraordinary. Uh, and I said, well, no, I really must get back to the college, not wanting to be rude in my sort of you know conception of what that would be from my own background. Uh, but before I left, the father of my student gave me two gifts. They were two books. One was a book of poetry by a 20th century Tamil poet. And the other was a special edition of the tirukural uh, an edition which had on one page the original text, which probably comes from about somewhere between the 3rd and 5th centuries. Uh, and on the other side was a simplified um, rendering of each verse in contemporary tamar. At the time, I actually couldn't read very much tumor. I mean, I could sound out the letters, but I was so I had my hands so full with learning how to speak that, that learning to read the literary language, which can be quite different from the spoken language, was still quite daunting to me. But my host, uh, my, t- my students t- uh, my student's father said to me, "This book contains everything you need to know. It has chapters on every aspect of life. So you study Tamar well. And when the time comes, you read this book because it will teach you everything. And so I took that book and the other book with me into the night as I returned to my quarters in the college where I was then living. And I put it on my shelf thinking, oh, I hope that one day I might possibly be able to read this book. Then, uh, as my teacher guided me step by step into the language, and as he introduced me to poetry, uh, the thought began to occur to me that maybe one day I would be able to read this work. And several years later, in 2003 and 2004, I returned to South India on a Fulbright Fellowship uh, to study the relationship between people and place, as it appears in language, in language and in literature. And so one of the, the works that I studied in the realm of literature was the Kuril. And it was uh, a very rich time of study indeed.
0: I believe you must thank your student's father for gifting you the Kural and driving you towards undertaking the incomparable translation that you have provided the world today. So the guru yes, is I'm, definitely yeah sorry
1: I was just going to say yes I yes I'm, I'm I'm deeply grateful and and grateful because the gift was so surprising to me because this this was not a you know supremely wealthy family they were very simple uh, and uh but what astonished me was the the affection that they showed me and the affection they showed me in giving me uh, a gift like that gift. Uh, And in in many ways, this translation has been my attempt to honor that gift as fully as I can.
0: Well, Indians are known for their hospitalities, aren't they? Yes. So the Kuril is definitely a didactic text that has guided thousands of individuals in centuries. I am very much intrigued. Uh, what are your thoughts on the need of the Quran in the so-called apocalyptic times we are living in today?
1: That is a wonderful question. Um, yeah. And to answer that, I need... I, 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 there's actually two parts to an answer. The first mm. is that the Quran is indeed, as you say, a, a didactic text. It It is uh, a, a work which explicitly aims to teach us something, to impart something important to us, to share essential knowledge about the world and about how to live well in the world. And at the same time, it is a work of poetry. And uh, if I may digress just briefly here, one of the things that I learned not only from studying Tirukkural but also from studying tamar, uh, was something about the nature of Poetry because at the time I was studying with my teacher, um, I had gotten out of touch with poetry. I, of course, had studied poetry in school, and and my schooling had given me an erroneous picture of poetry. It had sort of presented poetry as something uh, like an obscure and difficult puzzle that you had to figure out. Um, It has strange language and strange imagery, and maybe it has metaphors and similes and other poetic devices. And for a number of years, I found myself kind of flummoxed anytime I had to read a poem. It was hard for me to understand uh, what the big deal was. Now, what's interesting is at the time I was also studying philosophy and moral philosophy, and so I had a particular interest in questions of how do we live? What does it mean to live a good life? How do we understand goodness? How do we practice goodness? So when I was being introduced, uh, being uh, initiated, if you will, into Tamar poetry, my teacher had me memorize the poems of a wonderful 12th century Tamar woman, poet and saint named Avvayar. And to do this, he had me memorize her poems, these short four-line poems, about 25 of them or so. And what I found was that because these poems were from the 12th century, I couldn't yet understand them directly. I had my teacher's explanation of them. He shared the gist of them with me at the beginning. But as I memorized the poem, all I could really do was listen to its sounds and listen to the sounds and, and feel those sounds inside my body, in, in, you know, indeed coming from my own mouth and my own articulation through my tongue and my teeth, uh, and hearing it with my own ears, I started to hear something I hadn't heard fully before, which was how good these poems sounded, how each poem, each line had its own sense of rhythm and music and playfulness, And so when I did come to be able to read the meanings of these poems, to understand the meanings of these poems directly, that meaning was all the more meaningful for the music. And when it came to me studying and then translating the Tirokuror, one of the things I most wanted to impart was along with the kind of life lessons that the book uh, is so intent on teaching us, I also wanted to share something of the delight in language, the playfulness, the, um, the extraordinary musicality and rhythmic integrity of these poems, because that too, for me, is part of what they teach. It is part of what they impart. It is part of how they share a very deep wisdom, which is, I think, indeed, perhaps more relevant today than ever because as we live in a, a time which is chaotic, which is tumultuous, in which it is sometimes very difficult to know how we are to live and what we are to make of things and how, are we, are, how we are to relate not only with each other but with the natural world, a work like the Quiral has a way of, of not only teaching us how in every area of life there are extraordinary possibilities of goodness it also shows us how there are extraordinary possibilities for delight and living in all of these areas. So, for instance, in one part of the, the work, Thiravallivar talks about the importance of wealth. And he speaks of it uh, having two main qualities. One is that, well, of course, we want to be able to be generous. We want to be able to help others with our wealth. But he also says, at the same time, a person should also enjoy what they have. That they should take delight in that both of those things, and he also says elsewhere that wealth, for instance, is not simply what we might think of as money, but it is also the wealth of knowledge, the wealth of learning, the wealth of affection that we have in our own hearts. And so, when we have such wealth of learning and affection. He invites us not only to share it with others, but to enjoy it ourselves, so that in doing what is good in the world, we are also enjoying the riches of the world. So those are a couple things that occur to me to say. And in fact, I could probably say a lot more, but I'll I'll, I'll pause there and, and see what other questions that may have prompted in you.
0: Yeah, well, I completely agree. Everyone who loves to read poetry knows that the best way to understand a poem is to read it aloud. The meaning comes to us itself as we delve into the world of the poem, its rhythm and the feel. Also, Very the spiritual so. wisdom, yeah, the spiritual wisdom presented to us by the ancient texts provides us inexplicable knowledge as well as courage to live in difficult times. And Andrew Harvey mentions this clearly in the foreword.
1: Yes. Moving, he, I think, does a marvelous on. job of, of sorry.
0: <laughs> yes, that is a wonderful foreword to the book. So, moving on. Yes, I believe there he does. Really so-
1: a, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I must, there must <laughs> be some okay, delay here. Okay. Let me, I'll just put one, uh, I'll put one piece yeah. and then you can follow. I'll just say, um, Yes, I think that Andrew Harvey has done a wonderful job of highlighting how the book uh, speaks directly to us today.
0: Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) Moving on, there have been so many translations of Tirukurul before. So was there something different you wanted to incorporate in your translation to make it more understandable and widely reachable or perhaps to emphasize something?
1: That's a wonderful question. Uh, there have indeed been many translations of Tirukkural. In fact, I think it is the most translated text from the Tamil language. But curiously, at least in my experience of all of the ones that I've studied, uh, almost all of the translators do something somewhat peculiar. They read the Tamil original and they come to an understanding of the poem. And then what they translate into English is that understanding. And so what you often get is a kind of summary of the idea of the poem, uh, a a, a sharing of that idea, which of course is very useful. But what is most often left out is a sense of the music and the rhythm and those qualities in the original that make the text so utterly utterly memorable, uh, and um, in some ways uh, mesmerizing, compelling, uh, comforting. And so what I took as my sort of chief aim was to see if I couldn't at least suggest some of these other qualities, these other qualities which a person might think are kind of secondary, but as a poet myself, my feeling is that that they are all of a piece— that uh, translation of a poetic text should aspire as much as possible to uh, be a poem in the language it's being translated into. uh, Because then what we're doing, what I hope to do, is not simply to share the quote-unquote meaning of each of these verses, but to share an experience of these verses, or to give a reader an experience of these verses, an experience which is similar to the experience a reader reading the work in tamar might have, uh, so that all of the senses become involved, and not just the intellect, um, but the sense of rhythm, and even a kind of bodily sense if you're reading the work out loud. Because to me, these are what make the work what it is in the original language, and what I don't think has ever been shared as fully as it might be. And so my translation, what I've tried to do in this translation, is to at least go another step in that direction.
0: I love how you said that your aim was to provide the experience of these verses. That is so powerful. You did undertake a scholarly task upon yourself by translating Tirukural, and I want to thank you for that. Your training in Tamil and poetry has made this into a beautiful book. So, when I read the Tirukkural for the first time two years ago, I remember my professor telling us about the profound verses and having good sons but nothing nothing on daughters. Would you like to talk about the social conditions of that particular time as reflected in the Kurul?
1: That also is a wonderful question. Uh, and it is clear, if you read uh, the work, that it has a kind of male point of view from much of its, uh, many of its verses. Uh, it's there in the language and it's there, of course, in the language because it's reflecting the time from which it comes. But one of the things that I so appreciate about the introduction that the wonderful scholar and translator, Archana uh, uh contributed to the book, is she points out two important things she points out, first of all, that in the third part, of the third, third book of the book, the section on love, we also get to hear and experience women's voices. These, the women who are paired with the men in these uh, various adventures and misadventures of love, the various adventures and misadventures of the heart and she says that that so here we can we get we have a whole panoply of experience male voices and female voices alike and she also points out something which is very close to my own point of view which is that one can read the work as a kind of singular thing where you know you sort of read every single verse uh, as being part of a unified whole and i think the book offers itself that way. But the book also, because it is a poem, uh, a poem of many poems, it also offers itself as a book from which we can find the book that is speaking to us, where we can find those verses, which even though they come out of this very specific context, they nonetheless can speak far beyond their context. So there are many verses, even verses that are speaking about, for instance, kingship, which uh, tends to have a kind of male bias to it. But if one reads creatively and as a poet, one can hear that Thiruvalluvar is really speaking about what it means to be a leader. And even if leaders tended to be male in the time in which he was writing, they needn't be. And of course, they, they aren't uh, anymore now. And yet the qualities of a leader, the qualities of what it means to be a leader, are, go beyond gender. They go beyond these kinds of things. And so the, the work offers us the opportunity to weave our own understanding together drawing on the wisdom of the work and our own life experience, the experience of our own world. Uh, And I think this is one of the ways the book becomes so relevant to the present moment and is able to speak so deeply to the present moment.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We often forget how every text can be read in different ways and how it is affected by the social and political climate it was written. Uh, So furthermore, Please say a few words about the purpose of what you call a commentary of notes that is present at the end of the translation.
1: Thank you so much for asking uh, about the commentary. Uh, for me, uh, it was important for me to show not only that uh, the verses of the Qu'ran can be living and vibrant poetry in the present. But I also wanted to share something of the experience that a reader in thummer may have reading the book, because almost nobody reads the book uh, without reading a commentary. In fact, when I first studied the work myself, under the guidance of my teacher, Dr. K. V. Ramagordi, we read uh, an edition which included uh, five or six of the great, oldest, uh, and most esteemed commentaries. And, uh, and so uh, what will often be the case, like that gift edition that I received the very first time I held the book in my hand, you'll have the verses on one side, and on, on the other side you'll have a kind of uh, interpretation, guidance for how to understand the verse more deeply and more completely. And so one of the things I wanted to do with the commentary was to offer something of that experience as well. Because, of course, there are certain words uh, or phrases which may be curious to a reader who may be unfamiliar with the context of Tamil Nadu or or the context of India more generally. And so what I've done is provide a commentary uh, of brief notes, helping to give additional synonyms for particular words, for instance. Um, In some places, I give interpretations uh, or interpretive guidance that have been offered from some of the great commentaries. Uh, sometimes there are, uh, there are a couple places where there is a, a poem, uh, another famous poem, particularly some of the Sangam poems from the great Sangam period, the very early classical flourishing of the Tamil language and its literature. I've included some of those poems that a reader in uh, reading in Tamil would think of reading a verse from the Kuru. And one more note is that this commentary of notes, uh, the form that I've used for them comes from uh, a particular commentator to the great uh, Tamar epic, the Siliparigaram, the tale of an anklet and one of and of course there are many you know great commentaries to that work as well but the common, the the commentary that i thought was most interesting was indeed a commentary of notes in fact the the author of this commentary is known as the author of the commentary of notes meaning uh, he he gives a commentary of just enough just a couple notes here and there just enough to help in uh, uh, to nourish and to augment a reader's experience without taking it over. And so what I've tried to do is offer that kind of supportive um, glimpse behind the scenes of the translation, if you will.
0: Thank you so much for that, Thomas. Uh, The notes are really helpful as well as insightful, and the commentary you have provided is indeed unique and very interactive in that sense. Also, I don't think any amount of words uh, fit for us to talk about Sirapatikaram. It's a great Tamil epic.
1: It's really really, really, extraordinary work. (laughs)
0: Hmm. Yeah. If you don't mind, uh, it would be wonderful if you could sing to us your favorite verse in Tamil and your English translation, as you believe it should be recited.
1: Oh, wonderful! There are so many verses. Let me just see. If there's any that that sort of present myself present themselves to my imagination <laughs> in this moment. Sure. Hmm. There is, there is one that was very important uh, to my teacher uh, and, and one that is uh, indeed very important to me as well, which has to do with what it means to, um, how to put it, how to be in harmony with the world. And there's a wonderful image in this particular verse and the image it's it's almost a kind of hidden image it's it's sort of in the words themselves is this sense of being able to not only be in harmony with the world but to flow with the world as a river flows with the earth in a kind of partnership with the earth just as the earth carries a river, the river helps to shape the earth. So it's a, it's a, it's a kind of dance between, excuse me, a kind of dance between uh, earth and water. And so there is one verse. It's from uh, the chapter called The Possession of Conduct. And I'll share it with you both in English and in Thummer. The verse goes like this. Those who can't flow with the world... Even if learned, they know nothing. Those who can't flow with the world, even if learned, they know nothing. The Kurul is so interested, and thiruvalluvar is so interested in how do we integrate what we know. How do we bring all of the elements of life together in such a way that we can behave wisely in every area of life? And this involves us knowing the world. And this is not simply the sort of political world or the world of one's community or the community of communities in which one lives, but it also includes quite explicitly the the earth itself. The way, for instance, the the very second chapter of the entire work is on rain. So understanding the cycle of rain, of rainfall. Understanding, indeed, the whole ecological underpinning of our earthly existence. And so I love this verse because it speaks... Uh, it holds up the ideal of being not simply a knowledgeable, per, not a knowledgeable person uh, as somebody who might have a lot of book learning, which of course is valuable in its own realm, but also as somebody who understands from their own direct experience the way uh, that a tree grows, the way that a river flows through a valley, the way that the moon rises, the way that we can see each other's hearts in our faces. All of these things are part of what it means to flow with the world. And indeed, that knowledge of how to flow with the world is learning, is this great wealth of knowledge.
0: Wow. It is so soothing to hear you sing. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for answering these questions, Thomas, uh, which are only a few among the many that our audience still wants to know. Thomas, uh, we have taken up a lot of your time, but I must ask you, what are you working on now?
1: I um, I have two projects, one which is basically finished and is uh, currently in the hands of my agent, uh, who is well, who is or will be very soon looking for a, a good place to publish it. It's a, a book-length nonfiction uh, work on the experience of living in a yurt. I, for the last uh, decade or so, I've lived in a yurt with my partner and now husband, David. And so, this is a book about the day-to-day experience of living in such a structure, which for some people is quite unusual. But it is also at the same time about uh, what the kind of simple uh, and at the same time complex life that such a structure can foster can be like and about what does it mean to grow in a relationship? What does it mean to grow uh, into who we really are? So that's one project which is on its way, hopefully, uh, to readers um, sometime in the near future. I'm also working on a book about another Translation. I have, for the last 16 years, been working on a translation of the Spanish, the extraordinary Mexican novel, Pedro Páramo, which is a very short and poetically charged novel, uh, and, and is is fairly universally considered one of the great novels of the 20th century, and indeed uh, of of the language the Spanish language period. And yet it's a work which has not been very well known in the English-speaking world, largely because the translations that have come out so far have not really done justice to the poetry of that particular work. And because it is a piece of work which I think has a lot like the curul to say to us in the present moment, I've been working on a translation in my own attempt to try and share something uh, of my experience of that work and in the process of doing that it has also occurred to me to write a book about translating that work about what i've learned from that novel and from the 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 strange adventure i've had entering into the novel the, in the way that i have so this is this is the current project exploring uh my apprenticeship if you will to this great novelist through his masterpiece this no, uh, this novel pedro Paramo.
0: That sounds like great projects. We will all be waiting for them. Lovely. I want to thank you for being on the show with us. I really enjoyed this conversation. Also thanking the audience for constantly supporting us. Keep reading, keep listening, keep enjoying. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you so much.